Amen. How many knows that we have a little time yet before the end of the year, and we need to begin to pray because great things are going to happen. Prophet Miller gave us a word a couple um, uh, Thursdays ago. I actually had him on the phone, and he had a prophetic word for us that this, this Christmas is going to be a special Christmas for our church and for the people individually. How much waiting for God to do something very special in your life? Now, it doesn't mean we're going to get, you know, exactly what we want, but we're going to get exactly what God wants for us. It may be a mingling of the two together, but look for it, get prepared for it. And I have found that prayer is the key. The prayer is the key. You might have found maybe the last few weeks has been a little bit tougher for you to pray. There's a reason for that. Anytime you feel resistance in prayer, that's the time to buckle down and pray. Something's up. Something's going on over your life. God wants to give or bless you with and so I want to talk for a few minutes tonight about prophetic praying or praying prophetically. I want us to look at, and i got several scriptures to go through tonight, but I, it's kind of a teaching, but I want to share this with you so you can get in your spirit and you can start, start even tonight. Matthew chapter 26, verse number 40. Uh, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Oh, by the way, visitors, that's our youth over there. That's not the devil over there growling. That's... Actually, our young people are on that side of the room, and ever since my son-in-law and daughter have taken over, it's gotten louder, praise God. I told my daughter about that, and she ain't having it. She says, those those are youth, and we got to be loud sometimes, Dad. Okay, all right. So you have to put up with it a little bit. Um, He said to his disciples, fell asleep, and said to Peter, said, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is. Is weak. Now, this is when he was about to be betrayed. They didn't know this, and they were in the, in the garden, and uh, he asked them to pray, and he, they, they did not. So he said, the Spirit's willing to pray, but the flesh is going to be weak. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words, Paul said to the church at Corinth, of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And most people stop right there. They don't go any further. They think that God's ways are not, you're not able to understand them. But the Bible doesn't stop there, okay? Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't entered the heart of man, but God, everybody say, but God, has revealed them to us through his what? Spirit. So the connection that we have to make tonight is with the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, He said, for God's revealed by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And by the way, God wants us to know the deep things, the deep truths that he has. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Okay? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. There's things that God's given to us. Why don't we have them? It's because we're not making the direct connection with the Spirit. Okay, Watch this. These things we also speak 
not in, in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. So people don't come to church because they consider it foolish because they don't, they don't perceive the Spirit behind it. They don't worship God the way they should on a daily basis or read the Word because they don't, they don't perceive the Spirit that's behind it. I'm talking about believers now. Because I'm not addressing the world. That's not even my place to address, right? I'm talking about the church. Nor can he know them because they are not spiritually discerned. Okay? So I want to say this, that prayer does not have to be boring. Prayer does not have to be just a regiment. It, can, it will start off being a bit, a bit of a regiment because you got to get your flesh used to saying, "Okay, at this time, and and I'm going to begin to I'm going to I'm going to begin to pray and worship the Lord or whatever." But the truth of the matter is, is your flesh is always going to press against you. It's always going to war against God. So I have to make up my mind to be disciplined. But discipline can move to delight, and the fact that we're not moving discipline to delight is the reason why we don't keep praying. Because if it's only discipline, because prayer is a discipline, but if it's only a discipline and doesn't move to a place of delight, then we're going to say, well, what's the, your flesh is going to say, well, what's the point, right? So we want delight to me is this, enjoying the presence of God, but then knowing that God's answering the prayer that I'm praying. I want to see results. I don't want to just pray without results. I recognize that it's not in my timing, but there ought to be mile markers along the way that let me know that God's on his way. Something's happening in the realm of the spirit. I'm getting dreams. I had a person confirm something. Um, I see a shift in my boss uh, toward me that wasn't there before. I'm just saying there ought to be something along the way that lets you know, give you encouragement to move from discipline to delight. Everybody say that. Moving from discipline to delight. That's what prayer has to do. So it should not be boring. God should be revealing to you in your prayer time things that are going on today, things that were happening yesterday to get you to today, and also things that are coming forward to your, from, and from your future. I'll get to that in some detail in a moment. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place in unity, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Everybody say a sound from heaven. Sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So as they began to pray, they were in agreement. They were in unity. We've missed a few uh, of our prayer meetings because of things that are happening here at the church or holidays or whatever. We're going to be back online praying the first of the month. But And I want people to come out because we need the church to come together in the power of unity and I, I won't get into all that tonight, but you know that that, that, that three-strand uh, cord is not easily broken. So the more we get people together, the, the more the strength that we have and our unity and the more that heaven opens up to us, right? Heaven opened when they were unified. Once they were unified, heaven opened. Heaven came as a result of, of their unification of the Spirit. Uh, and, and when heaven opens, that means the blessing of God's coming. Something supernatural is happening in our lives. Something we couldn't, we did not have. It's about to come into our lives. Now look at Genesis chapter 28, verse 12. Let me continue with this. Then he dreamed, talking about Jacob, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. Excuse me. And at, at the top, it, it reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on that ladder. And behold, how many remember I used to bring the ladder down? I did it for like a whole couple years, you know. I used, there was a ladder up here, and I'd bring the, it had lights and smoke, and we, it was pretty cool. And I might bring the ladder back. I like the ladder, praise God. Because it reminds us that when we come, that's where the house of God was set up, was beneath that ladder. Anyways, and there, there the angel of God were ascending and descending on the ladder. 
Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay? Behold, I am with you and, you, and will keep you wherever you go. Okay, And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. So Jacob, <clears throat> Jacob has needs. He's running for his life from, from Esau. He does not understand the fullness of what he's supposed to be doing. He deceived. He got the blessing. He got the, the birthright. And now he's on to his uncle's house. He doesn't know he's going to meet a beautiful girl named Rachel. He doesn't know about his 12 sons he's about to have, which are going to be the 12 tribes. He doesn't know anything about any of that, right? He just knows that he's in need. He needs God to help him. And he felt like his life was over. But notice that God doesn't deal with the needs that Jacob has. God doesn't go and soothe him and say, I know you're having a rough go of it. I know your brother wants to kill you. He doesn't even address that. When I was going through the battle of my life, battle of my life, and a prophet I knew was a prophet of God, and I won't go into detail of it, but the prophet never even addressed. Can I, I, can I take two minutes to tell you what happened? So we're going through that battle with uh, the lawsuit that happened here, and we're going through the battle uh, of, the, of the, the buildings, and not just this one, but the one in Beloit, and all that kind of stuff, and it was just a, it was a terrible time, right? And this was, this is uh, almost 10 years ago now. And so, and I mean, I'm just, I'm, we're fighting, we're believing God, we're all that stuff, but it's discouraging. You know, you're, you're going through the motions of everything, and, and you gotta, you know you gotta, you're gonna get to the other side, but now you're in the middle of it. So I felt like Jacob, I'm in the middle of it, I'm, I'm, I'm in a place called Luz. Not, not glamorous, not sexy, just a place old, ugly, loves, right? Just trying to get to the next place of my life. And, um, and we ended up, this church ended up blessing Prophet Kim Clement uh, with uh, $20,000. We, we felt led to, to raise the money, and we did it. We raised the money, and um, it could have went to the building. It could have went to the roof. It could have went to anything we wanted. But God said, I want you to bless Israel. And so he was raising money, remember this, for Israel. And we gave $20,000. It was during the time of atonement, the, the trumpets of feast, feast of trumpets. And so uh, all of a sudden somebody said, hey, Kim Clement mentioned you last night on his television program. I said, what? We were actually in Rockford, Illinois at the time. We were going to be preaching for our, our spiritual son in Rockford during that time. And the church, his church was just, I think, a year old at that time. So anyways, and so we got the win. You got to see it. So it was online, so we went and saw it. And uh, he said, a church blessed um, us, and, 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 uh, and no one's ever done this before. No other church has ever done this before. I'm going to tell you, it was $20,000. It blew us away. And then he said, I want to prophesy to you, Jeff Pruitt, and the Faith Builders Church. And he starts prophesying to us. I won't tell you the prophecy right now, but I will tell you this. I'm looking for a word to soothe the pain that I'm going through. He never even hinted to it. To the point I'm going, well, praise God for the future, but I need, some, I need to know what's going on right now. But I recognize that God knows the end from the beginning. <laughs> and if he can get you to believe in where you're going, you got no problem with where you're at. Does that make sense? That's what a seasoned prophet will end up doing, not even knowing what you're going through. Who cares what Jacob's going through? It's not about where he's going. That's a bump in the road compared to where he's going. And I prophesy to you, what you're going through right now is nothing more than a bump in the road. 
I know it was traumatic. I know it was heartbreaking. I know it was tough to deal with. But God will make a way where there seems to be no way. That's what our God does. He, he, he was in need, but God sees the big picture, and he reminds him, this is who you are, and wherever you go, I will be with you. And when you got a picture of your future, and you know God's with you, your prayer life changes. You don't go from stumbling around hoping God's going to do something. You don't go for God give me pity because of what I'm going through. You say, Lord, you gave me a promise. Your word is true, and you're not a man that you should lie. And you start making bold declarations. God is constantly talking about your future and wanting to give you information about it, and he does it through prayer. So if you're not praying, you're not hearing. You might get a little here and there. He's gracious. But I'm talking about that long-term, big-picture stuff. That comes in the place of prayer, a sacrifice, saying, God, this is time with you. Why? Because that's who you are. The future is who you really are, and you need to pray from that position. You don't pray from the position of where you're at. You pray from the position of where you're going. That's why he told Abraham, look from the place you are to where I'm taking you. Right? That's how we are to pray. That's how we enter into battles. That's how we get hope and encouragement. You know, you feel down sometimes. You get in prayer and you start getting lifted up. Why are you getting lifted up? Oh, yes, you feel his love. No doubt about it. Yes, his arms are wrapped around you. And yes, you feel comforted by him. No doubt about that. But even more than that, he reminds you who you really are and where you're really going. And you start getting hope again. You start getting excited again. That's prophetic praying, not getting up and saying a few things to God. Lord, I ask you to bless us day to day in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that we're going to be all well today. And by your stripes, we're healed. And in Jesus' name, amen. And you feel like you did some religious thing because that's what you did, some religious thing. But something that's living and alive, a relationship with the Almighty. And the first time um, uh, I've, I experienced this, I'm uh, knowing, I'll be honest with you, since I've come back to the Lord in 1989, uh, you know, I've just had that relationship with him. I haven't really been to. I've found myself getting religious once in a while when I'm praying. But for the most part, I, I, I can't, I don't remember the last time I prayed and did not cry. Well, why are you crying? I don't know. I love him. He loves me. I feel his presence. It's wonderful to me. I just get lost. Not that you have to cry. That's not what I'm saying. For me, it's a sign because I never cried. I never, I never, I was too manly. I was too macho. I didn't even have a response to cry. There was nothing in me to do it. But now I can't stop. I'm just the biggest baby you ever saw in your life. I can't get through one of my kids' weddings without just bawling the whole time I'm walking up the hill with my daughter going, don't make it about yourself. Don't make it about yourself. And I'm, ah, I start crying. Why? I'm tender. I'm tender. And that's what I love about him. He made me that way, right? My relationship is going to be that way for the rest of my life with the Almighty. And God will do the same for you. So Jacob was changed in that time. I mean, remember he wrestled with the angel? And then the Bible says that he was changed from Jacob to Israel, right? His name was changed, Jacob to Israel, by receiving what? His destiny. Now he could speak from the position of being Israel and not Jacob. Even though nobody else knew him as Israel, he knew himself that way. The only person you got to convince about yourself is you. If you can convince yourself, knowing what God says about you, don't matter what he must thinks about you anyways. That's why when you, when you, when you know who you are, you walk into a, a particular environment or family situations or, come on, people you meet in the past, and you don't fit no more. Why? You know who you are. 
I'm not that person anymore. You can't talk to me like that. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Talking about that unity that came, the Holy Ghost that came. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? There was what? Divided tongues. Okay? Now, that word means diversity. It means different expressions. In other words, it means uniqueness, right? So every one of us have been given a unique ability to communicate tongues. It's more than just speaking to stir in your faith. It's a language, and it cannot be replicated. You, you can't replicate my language. It is like uh, my DNA or, or my fingerprints or a snowflake. They're all different. Now, when we get together, there's kind of a Shandai. You'll hear a Shandai or a Hyundai or, you know what I'm saying, or whatever. You're going to hear. But, you, you, but, 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 but it's still unique to you. Uh, there were about, I don't know, how many. was it first service or second service at Beloit that we got people filled with the Holy Spirit? Was it second, the, the evening service? And uh, there must have been, I don't know, 12 of them. Every single one received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, I said, now speak. And one guy wouldn't speak. I said, look, you have to walk by faith. you got to open your mouth. God's not going to jerk your mouth open and make your tongue go up and down for you. you got to start the first step and start. And I said, you hear, listen to me. And he's, he's listening to me. He's trying to do what I'm doing, right? So he's going, he's trying to do what I'm doing, right? Next thing you know, he gets lost in it. He just had to do it by faith. And he began to get, develop his own language. Why? Because it's divided tongues. It's unique to every single individual, which makes you special to God. It is a perfect prayer language to God. It, in fact, is the language of the Almighty. And it, what it does is it gets you in sync immediately with the Almighty, with God, all right? Look at verse number 5 and 6. And, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And watch this. And when the sound occurred. Now, wait a second. That's right. The Bible says, and there was a sound from heaven, right? And the Spirit of God came rushing in like a rushing mighty wind, okay? Watch this. Same verses. Uh, same uh, chapter, and, and there were dwell in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now, the way I read this, and I've read this out of other translations, it appears that they heard the same sound. And then they saw people all speaking in their own languages. So it brought some confusion, right? Because they're, they're like, wow, I'm, I'm, how is it that I'm understanding what you're saying or, and I shouldn't be? Or we were just a minute talking together, we were all speaking Italian, and now we're not. So there was a confusion that happened. So what was it that drew these people to those that were in the upper room? The, the, these devout Jews, remember it was the time of Passover, so they were in the streets. They're all, they make a pilgrimage. It's, it's their passage that they do every single year, uh, like Mecca. And they go and they worship God during that time, right? And so they were, all that, they were all in the street. What drew them to the upper room? The Bible says there was a sound. There's a certain sound. Not the tongues, but there was something 
that they were relating to. You know, you can hear a song, and it's quite like a certain, it could be in a particular genre, but you're hearing that song differently for some reason than that one that kind of matches the same style and tone. Why? Because it's speaking to you. So there's something unique that happens when the Holy Spirit decides to come because people pray prophetically. They start speaking that prayer language in the Holy Ghost, and there's a sound that's not, I wouldn't say relatable to the people, but it, is, it makes them inquisitive and draws their attention. And what we need today is we need the world's attention. Because if you notice, they're not knocking down the doors of the churches to go to church to worship Jesus. We don't have their attention. But if we could get into a place of the prophetic and speaking in that prayer language and believing God and praying and asking God to open up the heavens over Milwaukee, there will be a sound that they'll hear out in the streets. And they don't know God. But they'll all of a sudden want to know him. Back in the, the late 60s and into the mid, all, all the way into the, and even to the late 70s, there was something called the Jesus Movement that not just shook America, but shook the whole entire world where God was saving hippies and the young generation of all different cultures. And they were getting born again right out. Of, they'd be shooting up heroin, heroin in an alley and Jesus would appear to them. Well, you say, well, you're higher than a kite. Of course, Jesus appeared to you. And probably some other things appeared to you too. But they weren't, they became sober immediately. And the Lord said, I'm Jesus. And they would, they would, they would hear a word from him and they would give their life. And they started going into the churches barefoot, just the way they were, hippies, getting saved right in the streets. Why? They found out there were churches. Catholic churches even that were praying, that were filled with the Holy Ghost and were praying for their communities and praying for the hippies in particular. And God reached them and drew them into the house of the Lord. There's a spiritual sound that comes from those who are filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. And churches, I believe, churches have lost that sound. And now we're trying to, we're trying to, we're all trying to do the same thing. So now we've got to all be Hillsong, or we all got to be uh, Elevation, or we all got to be uh, Joel Osteen, and they're all great churches in their own right, not knocking any of them. We do a lot of their songs and stuff. But my, my, my point is, that's not what God intended for the church. That might be their particular style to reach people, but that's not the sound. There's a uniqueness that's supposed to happen right here in this church, in Milwaukee. Someone say Amen. And then when we start to plant other churches, which is our destiny, we start raising up leaders and planting other churches, there must be a unique sound that comes out of those places. Now, if they're here in Milwaukee, they'll be similar. But if we plant, let's say, somewhere in Ohio, or we go to California, if we go to Florida, whatever, I'm making things up now, there has to be a unique sound to them that will reach the people of that region. Amen. That's how God operates and works. Otherwise, it becomes repetition. Otherwise, it becomes nothing but religion. And religion didn't save anybody. Matter of fact, religion didn't save Jesus. It killed him. Religious would put him on the cross. Look at verse 7 and through 8. 
It says, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that, that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, saying, they are, all, they are, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters, what? Shall prophesy. And your young men shall what? See visions. This is a part of the plan of God. Your old men shall dream dreams, and on your men servants and maid, on your maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Sound like everybody's going to prophesy. Everybody's got the spirit of prophecy upon them. All right? That should be uh, the goal. That should be where we're going. All hearing the voice of God and able to speak the voice of God. Maybe we're not all prophets, but you don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. Okay? So this was 2,000 years ago this was said. So how much more is this true even today? So number one, I'm going to go through this real quick. Number one, what does prayer do? It releases a sound that even the world is drawn to. Number two, prayer brings relevancy to your communication. Prayer brings relevancy to your communication. In other words, through prayer, God will actually change the way you communicate to be relevant to this generation by giving you insight. Okay? So, in other words, the more I pray and seek God, the less that I have to depend upon what he did for me 10 years ago. I'm now becoming relevant to what God wants to say today to this generation. Even the generation of old still need fresh manna. Somebody say amen. Okay. Number three, praying the word of God invites the Holy Spirit to fill you. Praying the word of God invites the Holy Spirit to fill you or to anoint you. Um, let me just say this. Use the Bible for sure when you pray. But don't forget you have also been given a prophetic word, the Bible says, to war with. Okay. The word of God is a more sure foundation, but the prophetic word is something God gives you in confirmation of his word that brings it to life. So the prophetic word that you're hearing God say is what brings to life the scriptures that you're reading. You can't have one without the other because if you only have the word, the Logos word, which is wonderful, I watch people do this and they become very judgmental and legalistic upon themselves and upon others. But the spirit brings life. The letter killeth, the Bible says, but the spirit brings life. So I gotta have both. I gotta know that logos, but I've got to have the prophetic to confirm the word of God because it quickens it, it makes it alive. Most people pray um, frantically, they pray, pray what I would call emotionally based prayers, uh, fear based prayers. Um, so I would say that when you get like that, you must start with the Bible because the Bible will take that from you. And the more you confess the word of God, the more it becomes alive to you. But just speaking the Bible in the atmosphere is not enough. That word's got to get in you, change you, grip you. It's got to become spirit to you, alive, okay? So learn to pray from your destiny, not from your present need. Can't make that more clear. All right, I'm going to do something quick because I just want to get this in you tonight. So... 
um, the Bible talks about there's gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit. But that's why we don't have to, guys, that's why we don't have to copy each other. That's why we don't have to be uh, competitive with one another, jealousy, have jealousy with each other. We're all different. We all bring something unique to the table, Okay. But it's the same guy that works all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, or others, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge, these are all gifts, through the same Spirit, to another uh, faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles by the same Spirit, to another uh, prophecy, to another discerning spirits, uh, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as the Spirit wills. So number one is the word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom simply means foresight. It's foresight. In other words, you're able to see some of the future. So when God shows you something from the future, whether it be for you or for someone else, it's called a word of wisdom, foresight. Then there's the word of knowledge God will give to you, which means presenting, uh, rather it means to present understanding uh, something that you can see that isn't obvious to others with regular sight that is currently going on. So what is, what's happening in the present? is what the word of knowledge is. What's happening in the present or even somewhat in the past, but it's obvious to you but not obvious to anyone else. All right. Number three is the gift of faith. Uh, the gift of faith is a special endowment of faith for that moment right then and there. In other words, you can't explain it. You don't understand it. You just know that that money is going to be there by the end of the week. You can't explain it. You don't know, but you just know what the doctor's report is. doesn't matter. God's going to heal me. It's something that you, it's a gift, it's just I know what I know, okay? Um, then there is something called the gift of miracles. Uh, this is when no medicine can cure, but God heals on the spot, okay? It's a gift. You lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. Um, then there's the gift of prophecy, and that means to speak a course-changing word. So it's a word that literally changes the course that somebody's on or directional, that's, you must hear the voice of God for get some directional word because otherwise it's going to be dangerous for them. So it must be by the Spirit of God. Um, also, there's the gift of discerning of spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits. Now, some will say, well, that's the gift of discernment. That is not the gift of discernment. Matter of fact, if you, I, I've said it too, so I know your heart, so don't run out on me and get mad. But there really is no such thing as the gift of discernment. That's not a biblical concept. Now, it doesn't mean God doesn't give you discernment. But really what you're saying is the gift of discerning of spirits. The gift that, that of, of, I would say, of discernment would be more, uh, you know, your suspicions are true. Or you have that, what they call that um, intuition, where you just go, mm, I don't think that's the truth. Or I think that's right or that's wrong. That's different. But this is the gift of discerning of spirits. And that means that you're able to deal within the dimension of the spirit and know whether something's of God and whether something's of the devil, whether something's angelic or something is demonic, okay? You can even sense entities, okay? Um, that's a gift. Also, there's the gift of discern, I'm sorry, the gift of diversity of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Remember, these, these gifts are to benefit others, so this is not talking about regular tongues. It's talking about a God tongue. So um, you speak it forth, and then there is an interpretation of it. I would say this. 
if you're in your prayer time, you're speaking for a while in your, in your prayer language, you can ask the Lord, Father, would you give me discernment or would you allow me to understand, interpret this, what I've been praying for? He may or may not do that for you. It just depends. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too crazy on it. I wouldn't make it like a big deal. But I would say that, you know, uh, there's, there's a good chance he might tell you what it is and write it down. So, okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. I've been praying for this uh, today in my, in my prayer language. Also, it can happen uh, with you and someone else in prayer. Um, I would say it probably happens more than we know in our church because I'll, I'll move in the prophetic in our church, and uh, maybe it's because I'm interpreting what someone's praying. So it could be a prayer line up here, someone's caro marada and maybe I'm coming to interpret the prayer that they've been praying. Don't know. All I know is it is a gift, and it does happen, okay? And I used to know a couple, um, Keith and Mary Hudson, who happened to be uh, <clears throat> Katy Perry. You ever heard of Kate, Katy Perry? Well, her mother and father were traveling evangelists that we knew back in the day. And Katie, actually, I met Katie when she was a little, little bitty kid. Barely remember, but I remember her kids. They had three kids, and they were small, and they came to our church in Beloit and with, uh, uh, with the Hudsons. And <laughs> their ministry was unique because he'd preach, and then they'd have people come forward, and then he'd pray in tongues over them, and she would interpret it. I thought, man, he's got the easy job. <laughs> but that's how they worked. And then she would, um, she would interpret in rhyme. So whatever she prayed over you, it would be a rhyme. It'd be in a perfect. It'd be beautiful, like a perfect rhyme. So kind of a unique uh, gift there. But that was the interpretation of of tongues. So this is how we should be operating, not being afraid of the gifts, using them in everyday life, on the job. You can use them without being spooky and weird. It's an amazing thing. Um, the gifts uh, well, many times can be used, and you don't even know you're being used with the gift. In other words, Lord, use me today. I want to be using your gifts. Father, thank you for that. And you walk up to somebody, start talking to them, and you're just talking your talk. And they start crying. And they go, oh, my God, how did you know? Or, or you said the very same things I just asked God last night or whatever the case may be. And you, you'll see how they'll come alive in the spirit. Um, I've done this more than not. I'll, I'll close here and we'll receive the offering. And, and, but I just want to say this is, I have found, I just shared this with, um, with um, the Morehouses on Sunday. I have found, they were asking me a question about the prophetic. And I said, you know, the greatest prophecies I've ever gotten for somebody or words of knowledge or word of wisdom are things I could barely reach or touch or see. And that I could barely, it was just a little word, just a little something, a little visual, something so small that, you know, I didn't want to take the risk. But how many knows that's what you have to do? If you want to step on the other side, you have to take a risk that you might be wrong, that you might not do it right, that you might be missing it, right? And nobody wants to miss it. It's uncomfortable, right? But you give yourself that leeway. You're just a human being. You're going to make mistakes. But when you make the mistake, admit the mistake. Don't try to sugarcoat it. Okay, you know, I, I thought maybe, but can I pray for you anyways? And you move on. But you don't, you don't, you don't, because that's not, you can't grow that way. So my greatest words I've ever given to people that have been life-changing have been when it's barely there, barely there. And um, on Sunday, <clears throat> I pulled the Morehouses up to, to minister to them and their family, and I knew that uh, Rachel had just lost her mom about two weeks ago. And um, I hadn't talked to her at all, just, just for a few minutes before service. And when they were up there, I knew God wanted to address that. So I saw her just weeping, you know, 
in her closet crying. And, and so I just have a little, that's all I got. I've got nothing else. So what happens at that point is there's a compassion. You know, you want to do something. You want to, Lord, give me something. Let me. So your heart then goes out to them, and that's the first step. Remember, Jesus was moved with compassion, and that's when the signs and wonders and miracles would show up. So there was compassion. I'm just trying to go retrace my steps, right? So for me, I've been doing this forever, but I'm just, I'm just retracing my steps. So there was the compassion. So I'm saying, Lord, give her, give her something. And so I began to speak, and when I started speaking, it wasn't about her mother. It was just about her, and then it was good. But then I, I said, concerning your mother, and, and then it started getting serious. Because when you start dealing with somebody's mother who had just passed away, you know, you want to make sure you're doing stuff accurate here, right? So uh, I start giving her this word. And in the word, I'm telling her that the, the word, the gist of it was this, that, that she's with me, that's obvious. But that the Lord says, but now, daughter, you must run the race, and run the race with all you've got. Run the race of victory. For your mother stands alongside and cheers you on. And cheers on your destiny and your assignment and this church, says the Lord. Now that sounds kind of generic. It's not like a deep, like specific, the Lord says at 9 o'clock last night. You, It wasn't like that, right? I wish I could have got that for It wasn't like that. To me, it was sort of generic but I knew it was what God wanted to give her. Boom, done. So later, we got kind of pulled by different people. She texts me, and she says, I just want to tell you, so I'm so thankful you you came and blessed the people, and blah, blah, blah. And it was so amazing, and the words you gave was so incredible, but I wanted you, I'm writing down this word, and she goes, I'm right, I'm crying because you had no idea. She goes, but I wrote my mother a letter from me on earth to heaven, and I wrote her a letter and I said, Mom, I'll be, I, I know I do not have to be sad forever. I'll always have you in my heart. And she said, um, and she said, um, and she says, I know the Lord wants me to run my race with victory. And you'll be cheering me on in my assignment and in this church. Now, come on, somebody. See, to me, it wasn't specific, but to her, it was the exact verbiage she used. So it brought her great peace and great comfort. You see? So you step out in faith because you don't quite know. But I will say this. If you are going to step out in faith to do that, that is not the time to give anything directional because you're still unsure. You're still not quite there. So it's not the time to say, so the Lord says quit your job and God will supply that's not what you do, okay? You have to still go, I'm a human being. I still can miss it. I don't hear, the Bible says I see in part, I prophesy in part. I see through a glass darkly. I don't have all the answers, right? And so then you learn and you grow. And sometimes people will come back to you and say, that was right in the money. Some people never come back to you and say anything. Um, but I'm always the type of person that um, uh, I, 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 I'm a, I'm, I'm uh, what's the word I want, I want to say? I'm on, I'm on, I tread lightly. I'm on holy ground. If I'm saying I'm speaking on his behalf, I better be speaking on his behalf. And if I'm not, Father, forgive me. That was in my flesh. I just felt for them like I needed to say this, and I, and I, I you know, and it was me. It wasn't really you. Does that make sense? 
That's why it's real difficult sometimes for me to prophesy in this church over you. If I know you like that, it's hard for me because I know you. So I can be mixing my personal feeling and opinion in things. And, um, but um, that's why, you know, this is not a subject for another time, but I, I don't always go out to dinner with people and I don't always hang out with the folks because the, the less I know, the better, I, the sharper I can be spiritually. If I know all your stuff and I'm up here even preaching, not even prophesying, and I go, oh, crap, they're going to think it's me. I'm talking about them. And I don't want to be them to think that because that's what I'm trying to do, right? Does that make sense? So I try to stay a little like that because I want to be sharp. Amen. So this stuff right here, this will get you excited about your prayer time, man. He wants to share with you stuff about you and others. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise about the word tonight. Hallelujah.